Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life, to banish the years of yo-yo dieting, heal your relationship with food, make lifelong changes to your health by learning evidence-based nutritional techniques with self-compassion, mindfulness and behaviour change to feel more accepting and confident both in your mind and your body. We'll likely be adding a little bit of feminism, some sass and some humour along the way. I hope you enjoy and thank you for tuning in. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope you've all had a fabulous, fabulous week. I am so wildly exhausted. I mentioned to um, one of you heroes last night, I genuinely feel like I'm hungover without a hangover. (laughs) And like, I'm a real introvert, a real introvert. But then I do enjoy social connection as well. And I know that if I've had a week where I haven't attained any social connection, that can be equally as draining for me as too much connection, you know? I have to be able to strike the balance between seeing people to find the joy, because that is one of the things that brings me so much joy, but also having a boundary where I'm not seeing too many people all at once. However, there are some situations where I do see so many wonderful people all at once in quick concession. This weekend was one of those. And it was incredible, incredible. Had such a wonderful time meeting all of my coaching friends and of course learning from some incredible people in the industry. But it was like a 6.30, 6 a.m. start every day. And then we didn't get home till like 11 p.m. or 10.30, 11, something like that. Which is very long for me, very long. <laughs> like I am an early bird anyway. And of course, I love a sunrise. I am here for that. But it was the, it was just being around people all the time, all the time, all the time. And I wouldn't change it for the world. It's genuinely one of my most favorite weekends. But yeah, now it's made me feel like I'm hungover still. <laughs> which is great which is great but it's absolutely so 100% worth it and it doesn't happen very often doesn't happen very often you know what part of resilience is recognizing that it's temporary and I will not feel like this forever so you know we're here for it we're moving on we're moving on anyway I hope you all had a wonderful week with some incredible questions incredible of course we have so let's get started do you think it's possible to stop associating associating food with how I think it will make me look. Yes, I do. And I mean, let's consider food environments, the way in which people have been brought up, food labels, the capitalization of the diet culture realm, Many people now do hold association of certain foods being quote unquote bad, certain foods quote unquote making you gain weight, certain foods quote unquote bloat you. 
the language we associate with food can then bring on this perception of how this food is then impacting our body. And then we become hyper-focused on our body after we have ate said food. And this perception is then heightened through this tinted lens that we've got put on us following this realm of diet culture narratives that have been pushed to us. Realistically speaking, if you eat a Mars bar, it's not going to make you look any different. If you eat a pizza, it's not going to make you look any different. And I mean genuinely look differently. Because you can eat a pizza and yet it might bloat you a little bit, but you're not going to look significantly different outside of that. Like it's still going to look exactly, you're still going to look exactly the same. And I think too often we fall into this, well, that's going to make me look a certain way. But in reality, our bodies are not going to look significantly different. And even if you step on the scales the next morning, you see the scales have gone up by a couple of kilos. Your body isn't actually changing, but you then associate significant changes with your body because you see a change in the number or because you have this association with a certain food making you quote unquote feel a certain way and when you feel a certain way you then attack your body and you're like oh well I've ate a Mars bar now that's made me look fat but it's your thought process so then it's working through your 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 food language and getting to a place of food neutrality where it's like have you got autonomy on eating that food? What is that food bringing you in that moment? Is that food of benefit to you? Is it nourishing you? But then checking in with where that, that language has arise, like where does it come from? Where does it arise from? And then helping you get to a place of autonomy, but also self-compassion and not then utilizing your body as a weapon and being like, well, now look at you, you're fat because you ate a chocolate bar. And I think things change when you start to eat for your health, you know, and not eat for your body. So if you're saying to yourself, well, I only eat certain food because that's good and I want to look a certain way, you will find yourself preoccupied by your weight and shape. And there was a really cool study done in uh, 2022 whereby... It showed that those who were preoccupied by their weight and were shape, I think there was like an 82% higher risk of disordered eating because they were eating to control their bodies. And it's looking then at your health, right? And following an inclusive diet where you have unconditional permission to eat means eating all foods. And that means eating all foods with the ability to say yes and the ability to say no where you eat out of respect for your body and you eat to nourish your body, but there are times when you will nourish an experience and nourishing that experience then doesn't mean that you attack your body with malice thoughts and malice actions. And I think if you associate your food with how it's going to make your body look, you will then start to use things like over-restriction to try and mitigate how your body looks. Over-restriction is then going to feed overeating. It's going to feed a loss of control. So the association with food and how you look is absolutely possible to, to come away from. So grabbing like your journal and a pen and paper and writing it down, like what foods do I associate with how I look? Why do I do that? 
Is it because you've been exposed to good and bad food labels? Is it because you have been told that certain foods make you fat? Okay, is that fact or fiction? Well, it's fiction. You can eat any food and gain weight. So if you're saying, well, I associate chicken and broccoli with making me look quote unquote slimmer, but you can eat too much chicken and broccoli and you can then gain weight. And of course, the digestion process does occur differently. But zooming out, looking at the whole picture, how many times do you eat said chocolate bar? How many times do you eat said pizza? And you'll probably feel that you're losing control around these foods because of the association of the language that you've got around these foods, which then heightens, you know, this this thought process that you have towards your body and then has an impact in how you respond to your body. And which is why I said this morning in the group, like too often we focus on the food and the diet culture realm and and even still now, there are methods out there that just tell you to change the food, change the food, remove the food, avoid the food, count the food, count your sins, count your calories. Food is the very last part of the equation. Your thoughts and your feelings they impact your emotions. Your emotions impact your behaviours. Your behaviours then have an impact on your actions. Your actions become habitual. They can be reactive. They can be erratic. Then we see the food. So if your thoughts and your feelings, right, if you think or if you feel that certain food is going to make you fat, that is going to impact your emotions. You're then going to feel frustrated and aggravated, right? Your emotions then are going to impact your behaviours. How do you think you're going to behave if you feel frustrated and aggravated because you think and you feel that certain food makes you fat? That's then going to impact your actions. How are you going to act towards your body? And we know that your body image is not directly how you look. It's how you think, you feel, and you act towards your body. Do you think you're going to be acting with compassion? Probably not. And then what's going to happen? You'll start to form a habit based on how you feel in this situation. And that could be over-restriction, loss of control, binge eating, over-exercising. So then it's taking it all back because in reality, it's nothing to do with that food, but it's the fixation on how that food is making you look based on your thoughts and your feelings. So getting your journal and writing it down and unlearning that, because that is just a limiting belief, right? So what food do I categorize with making my body look a certain way like whether that's good or bad and then coming back is that fact or fiction is it helpful or is it hindering me how do I want to feel around this food how can I start curating this neutrality mindful eating inclusive diet um if you could only do three exercises what would they be oh interesting a deadlift conventional deadlift because I love it and it's full body full body compound shoulder press yeah military press probably then what would the third one be I was going to say, I was going to say hip thrust, but actually I absolutely despise hip thrust. Probably a squat. Yeah, probably a squat, actually. Yeah. I mean, we probably should do an RDL, but 
yeah they'd probably be the three interesting um third one any tips for eating when things are out of control i.e your partner cooks a lot of the meals and they aren't always goal aligned i think the issue here is the desire to control so if your partner's cooking for you that's wonderful and i've had this conversation actually with a couple of clients this week where we've been talking about like incorporating structure around like a a meal that is cooked by another or even a meal out right because this is where that it's nothing to do with it with the food itself but it's like well I can't control it I can't weigh it I can't track it so I feel out of control now I don't know what to do and actually we shouldn't be weighing food we don't need to be tracking every single meticulous part of our intake instead we can lean into imperfection and zooming out again and looking at what you can do around it. I think firstly, having an open conversation with your partner, if you have the capacity to do so, and helping them understand where you are on your journey and helping them understand like what your goals are. Because there may be in that meal, the opportunity for you to maybe switch out one of the carbohydrate sources for some vegetables. Simple swap. It's a compromise, not a sacrifice, because you don't want to be sacrificing eating these meals with your partner because you can't hold the multiple truths to like two values. Maybe that's connection and health, that you can hold your multiple truths and it shouldn't be a sacrifice of one or the other. It should be a compromise. So having an open conversation with your partner, I think is really important. And we know that support network around us is of huge benefit to your food relationship and the development of your health in pursuit of any goal, which is why I coach. But I think outside of that as well, fun fact, don't get a cockapoo because they're a nightmare. Um, But it's outside of that, then looking at what you're doing around that meal. What are you doing in terms of getting enough protein and fruit and veggies within your other meals? And that's where you can look at the structure. So if you're having like two meals and a snack before your evening meal with your partner, can you then be like, okay, I'll make sure that I'm getting a nice big bowl of yogurt in with lots of protein in, lots of different colors and putting some chai seeds and maybe some berries on it. I'm snacking on fruit. And for my lunch, I'm getting, I don't know, nice grilled chicken halloumi wrap with a protein yogurt and an apple. And you're getting in the micronutrients and the protein adequately within those meals. And then if that evening meal has maybe not got as much protein in, then that's okay because you've reverse engineered your day and you've worked around adaption and you've been flexible with your intake. And then you're able to hold the multiple truth and look back and be like, yeah, well, I've done, I've nourished my body today. I've nailed the things that are of most importance to me. And now it's about downtime. Now it's about connection with my partner. And now it's about enjoying this. And then alongside that, working on the hunger scale. So knowing that you don't have to eat all of that food on your plate. So maybe you then talk to your partner about like portion sizes, as an example. But with a lot of you, in fact, all of you, you will be working on the hunger scale at some point in your journey. So then it's like, slowing your pace of eating down, incorporating the mindful eating that we work through. So curating that pause, 
making sure that you're really chewing your food, checking in halfway through, whereabouts are you on that hunger scale and eating to a place where you probably feel like a six or a seven and then leaving the rest of it, not feeling like you need to eat it all. So it's incorporating mindfulness, but it's incorporating like the growth mindset with the day instead of just being like solely fixated on that one meal in particular. Because when you're then fixated on that one meal in particular, that's when that loss of control can can arise. It's like, oh, well, now everything feels out of control. So what's the point? But knowing that that's a choice as well, like choosing not to do something is still choosing to do something. That is still a choice. And I think showing some gratitude as well. And I talk to everybody about this. Like gratitude is massively overlooked by so many people. And I don't think we quite realize how privileged we are in society. Like having somebody who wants to cook for you, I think that's wonderful. Genuinely, I do. I'm really taking advantage of that and being grateful for that. And when we show some gratitude, then we recognize that maybe that's something that brings you so much joy but it's probably felt somewhat erratic to a point where you feel this loss of control, but actually reframing it and seeing the positives that you're getting from that and having some downtime with your partner and having somebody cook for you and then being really intentional with everything around it, but being intentional with that meal as well, eating it at a table, eating it together, talking about things outside of food. So you're not projecting outwardly your perhaps fear around that food. Instead, you're you're utilizing that time to to connect, to talk, to make memories and making it very much an occasion. <clears throat> um, okay. I don't, I don't seem to be motivated with exercise, but I know it's important. Do you have any advice for getting started? Yeah, don't rely on motivation. Don't. Rarely if ever am I motivated to exercise and actually really interesting I was having this conversation with my husband last night and we went for a walk um after dinner just because it's probably the only time that we get together um just a quick 10 minute walk around the block and we were talking about this we we're talking about exercise and he was saying um every day this week he hasn't had any motivation to exercise and he questioned had I and it's absolutely none at all I said you know what rarely do I have any motivation to exercise and it's really interesting because you've mentioned here that you know that you know it's important, but do you know it's important? So, like I questioned why he did it, and he questioned me why I did it, and I'll give you my my response. And and I used to, I used to train for my aesthetics, and when I used to train for my aesthetics, my exercise regime was very out of balance, hugely out of balance. I was not consistent at all with it. I would have I'd go weeks without doing it. But then I'd have weeks where I was really intense with it. It was so erratic and not healthy. But then I started to recognize the importance of it and the true, the true importance of it, whereby I do it now for my long-term health. So do you know it's important for reducing risk of frailty? Do you know it's important for the supporting of protective tissue like your lean muscle mass? Do you know that it's important for supporting some mitigation of anabolic resistance? Do you know it's important for supporting your metabolic health? 
Do you know it's, it's important for supporting your mental health and your physical health? And have you explored exercise that you enjoy? And I think that's a big factor to take into consideration. Of course, if somebody was to ask me what's the best exercise, I would always say resistance training because we know, as I mentioned, muscle mass is protective. It's very, very important, especially with females going through the perimenopause, postmenopause. And it's cited in all of the studies that it is the one non-controversial, um, what's, this, what's the, it's the exercise and nutrition are the non-controversial strategies or whatever that should be implemented and adopted by all and that's in a perimenopause and postmenopause study but do you really understand the importance of it so yeah resistance training is the most important because that's going to stimulate your muscles that's going to help with then muscle protein synthesis it's going to help with your anabolic resistance your metabolic health it's going to help with all of that but do you enjoy that and if you don't enjoy that first start exploring movement that you do enjoy maybe this week it's like okay I'll start doing a bit of yoga and then you start doing some bodyweight exercises and then you progress to some dumbbells or maybe you start doing some swimming this week and then you progress to some bodyweighted workouts around your swimming and another thing that I like to do as well is like plan it I do plan it I plan it in my day I plan it in my diary and I set a reminder and I have those three things. So I use a written diary. I use a Google calendar and I have reminders. I have reminders to eat and I have reminders to exercise. And this is where compassion is really important. There's two sides of compassion. There's a soft side of compassion and there's a fierce side of compassion. Sometimes you need to strike the balance of the fierce side of compassion and get out of your own way because by choosing not to do something again is still making that choice. So what are you sacrificing by not exercising? All of the above. And again, reframing why are you exercising? Are you doing it for your body or are you doing it for your health? And do you appreciate then the long-term outcomes of exercising? And I think as well, setting your expectations at a realistic place for you. And sometimes people need like a real kick up the backside be like no you need to go and do like three workouts this week because you are capable of doing so but then this other side where it's just doing a daily circuit like uh squats lunges and and push-ups like three of three rounds of 10 so it's then meeting you at a place that is right for you and and i know this client in particular she's incredible and she's so strong but sometimes there's like work stresses that come into this and the work stress can then overwhelm her and then cause some challenges in terms of how she responds to her body. And actually the most compassionate thing in the fierce compassion for her is going to the gym because that's downtime for her. But it's then striking that balance with fierce compassion and being like, no, this is important to me and I understand why. But not relying on motivation because if you rely on motivation, you'll always have an excuse. So use momentum but use compassion and then really understand why you're doing it and making sure it's value aligned and for everybody it's value aligned adds years to your life and life to your years um how not to feel like you're going off track with weekends like a spontaneous event can make me think screw this logically i know that isn't right but how to implement that like how would that look 
yeah, you're dead right. <laughs> and I mean, you're dead right in that a lot of people can feel like they're going off track at the weekends. And this comes again, it's, it's the control element, isn't it? And I was having another conversation uh, very similar to this last night with um, a couple of you heroes where we were talking about the weekends and this level of dichotomous thinking. And it's like, everything feels okay if it's in my control, but as soon as it's out of my control, it's like, oh no, this is not right. And I think there's a couple of ways you can look at this, right? In the magnitude of your week, you eat three meals a day, 21 meals a week. Say if you're going out twice a week, you're still eating 19 meals over the course of the week, whereby they're probably structured, they're probably um, pretty routined, where you've got your protein, your veggies, all of that. How much are you willing to sacrifice for those two meals, which equates to about 10% of your week? Um, when your weekends become dichotomous, you're then ramping that 10% up to more like 40%, because from Friday through to Sunday, that's 40% of your week. So then if you're sacrificing 40% of your week, what's the benefit to that? But it's taking it back further. You know how I mentioned like the food is not the problem, but it's how you think and feel around this food, which is why I talk to everybody about reflection, which is why I recommend understanding how you're feeling by utilizing your journal. Because when you can understand how you're feeling and where that comes from, feed resilience because you know it's not a you problem. You know it's a situation problem, fed, fed through years of misbeliefs around diet culture. And then you're also able to recognize it's temporary. And you know, it will feel uncomfortable. It will feel wild, hugely wild to be right down. Like, where does this come from? Diet culture realm, all of this misinformation that, that has been put on me from different methods. And then it's like, okay, how do I want to feel in this? I want to feel calm, peaceful, balanced. How can I curate that? Okay, I can start by implementing some mindfulness around these meals. Maybe if I know that like at the weekend, we've got children's clubs or we've got routine with in-laws, grandparents, whatever. I just say to myself, I'm going to start every day with breakfast and make sure that that breakfast has got protein in and it's got some carbs in and it's got some veggies in it. And then throughout the day, I will start implementing a pause and I will start implementing mindful minutes. Mindful minutes with my meals where I'm able to check in. And I think that in itself is really important because if you had Saturday lunch out and Sunday evening out, that's two, two meals. But that doesn't mean that you then go off track for the rest of, rest of the day. And if you quote unquote go off track, knowing that that is also a choice, you're choosing to do that. But why are you choosing to do that? Because your thoughts and your feelings are impacting your behavior. So you've probably been told before going out, is this like bad thing that you need to avoid? And you don't. And I push all of you to go out. Like socializing, human connection is a fundamental part of our existence. We need connection. We need it to thrive and survive. But a lot of you lack the connection because you're preoccupied by food because you've got this level of dichotomous thinking. So then it's checking in with that, being like, okay, is this helpful or is this hindering? And it will feel uncomfortable to sit there. And it'll also feel uncomfortable if you're going out on a Saturday afternoon to then not come home and just eat all of the chocolate. But then it's what will my future self thank me for? 
and write that down. Set your intentions. What will your future self thank you for? On Sunday morning, what is your future self going to thank you for? Is it going to thank you for the bag of giant buttons and the Domino's pizza because you went out at lunch spontaneously and you thought, screw this? Likely not. And what we what I see, a massive trend is people feeling guilt. And guilt I see more so now is associated with the behavior rather than the food itself. Oh, well, I feel guilty for eating the pizza. You were you eating it because it wasn't value aligned, which is why knowing your values is the most important part of this journey. Because you then look at your values. And if you value connection, are you truly connecting if you're preoccupied by food because you're worried about the food and quote unquote going off track? Probably not. But then if you also value health is then coming home and binge eating a pizza and chocolate because you feel like you've done something bad value aligned no so you feel guilty because you're not aligned to your values and your goals so then setting your intentions and questioning what will my future self thank me for and at every time you have a malice thought come in take with you this weekend one thing that you can say to yourself and nurture yourself in that moment one thing that I like to say to myself is you've got this and it's just for me reaffirming that I can control my response to situations because you can your response doesn't have to be driven by these limiting beliefs but you will never remove your limiting beliefs until you start understanding where your limiting beliefs come from which is why I recommend to all of you to journal And check out the vault because there is an infinite amount of journal prompts in there. There's one that literally is for relationship with food. And it is possible, you know, it's possible to have a weekend. Like this weekend, as an example, just gone. My weekend was very beige. The protein that I ate was mainly from grenade bars. (laughs) But around that, it was very beige. I had an ice cream at 10 30 in the morning. It was delicious. I had a big bag of giant buttons with a service station meal on the way home. Had burger, had Turkish, like I had a lot of different delicious food. And at no one point did I feel guilty. And I didn't feel guilty because I was aware because I was able to check in with my hunger and I was able to honor my fullness, which is again, the scale, the hunger scale work comes into it, doesn't it? And again, part of resilience is knowing that that was temporary. I knew I wasn't going to eat like that for the rest of the year. And I knew that that was just a, like a a weekend away. And I knew that it wasn't a me problem. I knew it was a situation that was happening around me and I could respond. I had choice on how I responded to that. So rebuilding the connection back to your body is super important, which is why you will work through your body image as well. And reestablishing confidence in yourself and the trust in your actions. Final one, how not to resent people based on their food choices? Question, why you resent them? And if you're questioning why people can eat certain things, question why you're not eating it. Example, like, um, I don't know, 
maybe you're going out and you're going out for a meal and you're sat with your partner and your partner orders a burger and fries and you're sat there with a salad but you're resenting your partner for eating the burger and the fries that's a projection outwardly of your food relationship and it's likely that you want the burger and fries but then you resent your partner for having the burger and fries question why you're not eating the burger and fries and if say your goal is fat loss can you compromise and have a burger and salad and then utilize the hunger scale and check in with your fullness and again zooming out looking at the bigger picture how many times a week you're going out how much are you willing to sacrifice and I think it's an interesting one resenting people on their food choices but it is a projection outwardly it's a projection outwardly because you feel that you can't eat that it's a question why you can't eat it and why they can because you have autonomy to eat any anything and health is to do so without guilt and in an inclusive manner. And that's inclusive of all foods. And it's likely that some foods are maybe trigger foods for you. So you've avoided those and you're like, well, if I eat that, I'll just lose control. If you tell yourself that story, you will follow that action. And then starting to incorporate these foods and incorporating them when you're out socially is the best way to start incorporating mindfulness with them and giving yourself the awareness that you can eat the food without eating all the food so i say this to a lot of you and like if cake is your trigger utilizing it as a time to go out with your friends so maybe like if you usually go for a coffee with your friends saying yeah let's go for a coffee and ordering a slice of cake because you'll only get served a slice of cake so you can't eat the whole cake and then taking away with you like the mindful choices instead of going out with your friends them ordering cake and you sit there getting frustrated that you can't eat the cake then going to buy a cake yourself and just eating cake on your own, feeling isolated and frustrated. And I say that as somebody who has once done that action and supported many people coming away from doing that action, because that is something that is very prevalent in society, but it isn't spoken about enough, but it does come with this resentment and other people's choices. So instead of resenting people, question your own beliefs, because again, that's where it all comes from. So that's going to be it. I'm sorry I had to pause a couple of times. Shockingly, like I said, Edith is not a vibe. She is not a vibe when we have people come to the house. Not a, not a vibe at all. She's very protective, very protective of me, very protective, which I think is a good thing. A good thing. It is. It is a good thing. But that's going to be it from me. If you've got any more questions, you know exactly where I am. Thank you.